There's no I in team, but there is one in Indeed. And that's the hiring platform that you need to build yours. When you're hiring, you need Indeed. Instead of spending hours on multiple job sites searching for candidates with the right skills, Indeed's a powerful hiring platform that can help you do it all. One of the things I love about Indeed is that it makes hiring all in one place so easy because Indeed does the hard work for you. They show you the candidates whose resumes on Indeed fit your description immediately after you post so you can hire faster. Join more than 3 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. Start hiring now with a $75 sponsored job credit to upgrade your job post at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Offer good for a limited time. Claim your $75 credit now at Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. And support the show by saying that you heard it on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWireSports. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Get by Benning. Darnell Nurse left it in the corner. Gets up center. Perry scoops. Corey Perry. Well, you're able to shake away from Solani. It's given away to Solani. Around his front. Score! Tamu Solani with the steal. Three of the fans won one. Hey everybody, welcome back. We're here for a win, my friend Eddie. Finally, dude. Ducks get up on the win column after taking a brief break against the Kings last night. This is the Forever Mighty postgame show alongside Eddie. Uh, no Jason again tonight. He's uh, a bit lazy, taking two nights off in a row. But uh, holy hell, man. What a wild game it was tonight, huh? They They didn't make it easy. That's for sure. I mean, God damn, they, they can't just close out a game. Sometimes it seems like just – I understand sitting back when you're you're up a goal late, but it just – it's always like, it's like chance after chance after chance, and Miller's sprawling in the crease. Nobody hits an empty netter. I mean, it's it always seems like the close games end like that for the Ducks. we got to remain positive, man. I agree, though. It gets, yeah. it gets a little uh, little scary in the Ducks' own end, but uh, we got to celebrate the victory tonight. Um, they always like to talk about the Flames, uh, this this being the house of horrors, as the Ducks broadcast put it tonight. Um, I would say that the, the Ducks got pretty damn lucky uh, with some of the plays here. Like like you said, it gets a little yeah. scary. But the Ducks were able to close it out, come away with the 3-2 victory. Um, for the most part, looking really strong in the first period. Second period, I don't know where people were saying the Ducks were playing evens there. I think the Flames kind of ran yeah. away with it on the second period and the third period was kind of more of like a grip the sticks and uh, hope that uh, we don't get screwed here. 
um, despite the fact they had a goal there. But uh, some changes coming to the Ducks lineup today. Josh Manson is back in on defense, which is, I don't know, man, that was that was a really, really beautiful thing to see hit my, my Twitter feed because the oh, Ducks was, have been just dying on defense. It was great because the last few games when they've had to split up Fowler, Lindholm, and Montour among the three pairings, it's been a nightmare for everybody involved on either pairing. Nobody's looked good. But uh, ironically enough, they, Manson comes back, and what do they do? They go back to Fowler and Josh Manson, and they go back to – actually, Lindholm stayed with Larson, which is a little bit surprising that they decided to do that. But right away, Fowler goes back with Manson. They don't even want to try putting him with Brandon Montour. They don't even want to nope. try putting Lindholm with Josh Manson. So he comes back. That's the great news. And then the bad news is the pairings are literally exactly the same. Yeah. But, I mean, we won. We won. Yeah. The, the, the Ducks win the game. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm just trying to uh, to be positive. Gotta be man. positive. It's, it's, we haven't been able to be positive. No. So it, it's a beautiful sight to see the Ducks get back in the win column. Um, and it wasn't all done by Cam Fowler tonight, um, like the last win was. And Getzloff in the lineup for a win. So that's yeah. another positive thing to take away here for the Ducks, right? I mean, he, it's been a minute since he's been on the ice for one of those. Um, Looking at the the Rusty's pregame notes, though, no John Gibson. Obviously, the Ducks are trying to not make him play 70 games. Um, And Miller is a very formidable backup. So he gets to start in that tonight against Mike Smith. Um, Flames riding a hot streak, man, and that's not trying to be a pun. I mean, they're on a four-game win streak coming into tonight. So I expected a strong game out of the Flames. No, and this is your your baby team, your, uh, your girlfriend team, or whatever you want to call it. With three nights of rest, too. So it's it's not only the fact that they won four games in a row. They had three nights of rest. They were coming off well-rested into uh, a game against the Ducks, who the Ducks had played last night and got embarrassed by their biggest rivals, arguably. So I expected the worst. I think, like many of us, we kind of were maybe not dreading this game, but it all signs pointed to a bad outcome for the Ducks, honestly. And the fact that they came up and they fought hard in this game, they didn't really look tired at all the entire game. I didn't really... If you were to watch this game with no context, I don't think you would have realized that the Ducks had to play a night before. And and obviously there's less travel because they were only coming from L.A., so that plays a factor into how tired they're going to be. But you didn't, you couldn't really tell. You couldn't tell this was a team that played a full game the night before. So I, I really like their effort in this. Um, but, yeah, Calgary, I mean, they've been on a roll. They were top of the Pacific. I think even with this loss for the, for the moment, they're still top of the Pacific. But this is a huge win for the Ducks. This is arguably one of the best teams that they beat all year. Yeah, no, this is a stacked team, honestly. I mean, this is a very fast team, too. They had James Neal playing on the third line until tonight is what the broadcast said. I mean, I'm not up and up on uh, on your second favorite team as much as you are, but uh, I'll take their word for it. Um, the Ducks, in this first period, though, I felt like it was a strong defensive first period, uh, like no shots on goal for almost four minutes, but the Ducks were able to get on the board first on honestly one that I know Mike Smith would love to have back. It was a terrific play, though, by Jakob Silverberg, who was able to basically redirect the puck in the neutral zone, uh, get in on on the defense, and it's like a half slap shot that I don't know if Mike Smith just misread it, but it goes under the glove, over the pad, man, and just trickles in there. Also, the Ducks are up one nothing on a great play. A great individual effort there by Jakob Silverberg. Vintage Mike Smith, too. Um, it, it, it's a great play. I think that the best play, I think, from Silverberg is a little flip to get around the defender. Uh, that allows him to kind as of get in on that. He pivots and then is able to knock it down as he's spinning around the defenseman. 
Yeah, yeah, it, it's great. I think it. Uh, it's Hannafin, I whoever, thought. Yeah, if I, I, number yeah number fifty five. Hannafin has a new number for with the Flames, so it's messing me up. But great shot ish by Jakob Sundberg. Right. It's a good position. It's just not hard enough. But somehow it still fools Mike Smith. It's really bad effort from him. I wish at this point we had kind of had Jason on just so he could break down the flaws of Mike Smith because we know how much he loves Mike Smith. Uh, but. I mean, it's a good bounce for the Ducks. Honestly, the, the play was kind of even to this point. And when you get an opportunity like this to get kind of almost one-on-one with the goaltender, you've got to take advantage of it. I mean, it's just by luck, honestly, but it's about time they got a break. I mean, the Ducks haven't yeah. been getting these kinds of breaks. I mean, they haven't really been getting these types of chances either. So it's nice to see one go in there for Sylvie. Um, and the Ducks would come right back. I mean, not too much longer after that. Adam Henrique is able to cash in on the rebound in front of the net. But all that work was done by Aberg. Aberg along the half wall, just moving quickly, moving his feet, getting the puck up to Josh Manson, who fires it on, in on net. And just a fat, juicy rebound by our uh, elite netminder, Vesna yeah. Trophy candidate, Mike Smith. And uh, Henrique's able to pot his fourth of the season. Surprisingly enough, it's Aberg's first assist, too. Uh, I mean, again, the, we all know him from the two back-to-back games where he had two goals in each game. But I think this was one of the better plays that he's had when you're looking at being a playmaking perspective from him, being able to shield the puck and get it back to the point for Manson. And I think this is huge for Josh Manson in his first game back to get on the board with an assist. Uh, again, it, it really all comes at the fault maybe of Mike Smith and the fact that he does not do a great job at all of crawling that rebound. It Again, it's not a hard shot. It's a pretty soft shot that... Uh, he just does not cover, uh, but Henrik is Johnny on the spot to, to bury the second goal of the game, and the, and the Ducks again, like I said, taking taking advantage of the chances that they were given in this game. Um, I've got to talk about about Jacob Larson because he does get his first assist uh, yeah. in this game on that first goal. Um, so he gets his first NHL point, which is great for him, right? Is that his first NHL point? I think it is. Or was yeah, it just, yeah, it is. Yeah, this is his first NHL point. I had to um, double check too because I didn't remember how many games he played the last time he was in the lineup. So, yeah, I, I think when we look back, it was his first NHL point. Well, yeah, I just feel like he's been, you know, been talked about in Anaheim for a, yeah. a decade, it feels like, even though it's only been a few seasons. Um, but on the negative side of things for him, I mean, I don't want to harp on, on negativity because, obviously, I'm, I'm stoked on the win. But my favorite player had uh, probably one of the worst games um, being paired with Jack of Lars and their Hampus Lindholm uh, turnover yeah. in the first period. I mean, all of a sudden, it, you turn that puck over to this Flames team, you're really asking for it. The Flames nearly make them pay. There's a there's a several chances there that uh, were going on in front of the net. Devin Miller was able to swallow them up, um, and then uh, <laughs> the the only damage the Flames would be able to cause in this first period was on the phantom call that was on Ben Street from the the, the TV camera angle. I thought it was a trip. Also, I'm like, oh, he totally tripped. Yeah. Him. And then you circle around. You're like, he didn't even touch him. He just totally lost his footing and went, you know, directly into the corner boards. So that would put the flames on the power play. And who else but uh, Kachuk getting a power play goal in front of the net? Uh, I mean, they compared him to being in front of the net to the Ducks, like Ryan Kessler, similar, right? I mean, able to get in front and be nasty. Yeah. Um, I would it's say more like that, Corey Perry, I think. Yeah, but he's dirty. I get the comparison. Yeah, he's dirty, and he's got nice hands too. Uh, uh, Kachuk's he's not a joke. He's not some guy no. who can't play hockey. It's the seventh goal of the season. So yeah, he's, he's killing it. I I would have to think. I know that top line has been on fire for the for the Flames. 
I would have to think that's probably leading the team for the Flames in goals. I'd have to double check, but he's at least up there. I mean, seven goals for him is huge. He's on pace probably to clear 30 this year, which is a big step forward for him. He's a guy I've always liked. I think part of it comes with the fact that he played in London, so I got to see a lot of him. He also scored the Memorial Cup winning goal, so I've kind of got a soft spot or, for him. But or he plays a lot like Corey Perry, who's your favorite Ducks player. It's 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 a myriad of things that make me <laughs> love uh, Matthew Kachuk. But it's a good setup on, like you said, a phantom play. Um, Giordano gives it over to Lindholm, who also has been on fire for the Flames lately. Um, and it's similar to the Kessler tip from last game, if you're trying to make that comparison, where the puck's going wide, and uh, Chuck does a great job of pulling the puck back uh, against the grain past Ryan Miller. So, uh, I mean, I, I, again, I don't want to sit here and, and hype up uh, a Flames goal too much, but I think Matthew Kuchuk is one of those guys who, for a long time, is going to make his money in front of the net. You know who also impressed me uh, this first period was uh, Ricard Raquel and Ryan Getzloff. This is one of the first games where I really feel that uh, they were cohesive for almost the whole game. I mean, they had flashes here and there uh, between each other in the first 16 games of the year when they were both in the lineup. But I really felt like tonight, Getzloff really stepped up a lot. He controlled the play a lot when he was on the ice making plays. Um, He's able to create space, and Raquel was able to create space in tonight's game as well when they're both on the ice together. But uh, in that first period, I noticed it right off the bat. Um, it was good to see Raquel getting in and getting chances. I know he didn't score a goal tonight, but it was good to see him getting those. Um, the Ducks were able to create some buzz there at the end of the first period, but it would wind up being a 2-1 into the first shot differential. Ducks ahead by two, 11-9 shots on goal to end the first period. Um, going into the second period, you would expect this. Uh, I, I, I thought the Ducks came out a little flat in the second period. Um, I know you mentioned it didn't look like they were tired, but uh, to me, it felt like they were a little off here in the second period. It was like almost like the second period's old. The the scoring chances and, and shot attempts kind of got a little out of hand in the beginning. I think the Flames just kind of rebounded off that period. I'm sure they got grilled in the dressing room because they didn't necessarily play a horrible period. You know, they came out of it down only two to one, and, and the game was fairly even. And arguably, you you could say that they probably deserved to be up one nothing if it wasn't for Mike Smith and the two blunders that he made on both Ducks goals. So I'm sure they were fired up and, and ready to go. And that's how they came out in the second period. They were the fresher team, if you want to call it that. I don't think the Ducks were necessarily tired, but the Flames just looked ready to go from from the from puck drop. And it, it showed, I think, at one point, uh, about maybe six minutes into the second period, the shot scoring chances for was six to one for Calgary. High danger yep. chances for were three nothing. So they came out ready to play. And if it wasn't for Ryan Miller making a bunch of, of pretty good saves, there was one where he dives across, and I think he denies, maybe it's Matthew Kachuk again, but he makes a really good save on somebody um, to really to keep it a 2-1 game at that time. Yeah, I mean, he he did have to make a bunch of saves. I, I, I understand the Ducks maybe, like you said, having to you know get pushed back a bit i mean the flames like you said though had three days off so they should be the the team with more pep in their step honestly you know when they come out and they're down a goal you figure they're going to be you know score effects are in play they're, they're going to be pushing hard um and the ducks like to do that whole uh, at least from my perspective like to do that whole let's just hold on to a lead um and and see what happens yeah. with it but uh, I, I really feel like the ducks were very lucky in the second period i mean I, holy hell miller uh he made a hell of a save on jankowski in the second period um I mean, Backlund had a wide open net prior oh, to that and just missed the entire four by six. 
He's he getting was, shown film for that, definitely. He turned around and slammed his stick, his stick yeah. and I'm sure he cursed and then looked up to the sky there. Uh, Backlund had, I think, several chances in the second period, and this was this was basically uh, the Flames period, and it, it, I felt like if they couldn't pot a couple here, the Ducks were going to have a huge chance in the third period and to maybe try to extend the lead, maybe if not with an empty net goal, maybe one where they were able to put on the board, which you know it turns out they do. But surviving the second period the way they did is, you know, just so important because, uh, I mean, there were so many chances for the Flames to, to, you know, maybe to either tie it up or or put the, you know, the killer instinct in. Yeah, I think there was a couple posts, too. I'm pretty sure Johnny Goodrow hit a post at one point uh, on a wide open net and, and again, Backlund missing a wide open net. So I think this is the luckiest the Ducks have gotten in a second period pretty much the entire season. You look back at, at some of the bad periods they've had during the second. You look at Dallas, I think, is is probably the benchmark for that this year where they just got completely outplayed. But every chance that Dallas had in that game, puck seemed to go into the back of the net. Yeah. In, in this one, it was kind of the opposite. It's every chance, or golden chance, or, or one you would say, if you're looking at it, oh, that's going to be a goal. They either hit the post, it missed the net. Ryan Miller dives across to make a save. So it's a mix of, of Ryan Miller playing really well and then the Ducks just finally getting some puck luck, which you don't want to have to attribute that to a win, especially when they got severely outplayed in that period. But anytime you can come out of a period like that where you clearly didn't play well and still hold your 2-1 to lead is huge. I mean, if they go even into the third period tied at 2 and Calgary can carry that momentum into the third, they showed a, a stat on, on the screen that the, the Flames have scored the most third-period goals in the entire NHL this year at 28. So yeah, didn't they make the comment want... the Kings have scored twenty eight goals all season and the Flames have scored yeah, something like in the that. third? <laughs> yeah, like, that's brutal. But that's the team you don't want to go into the third period tied with, especially if you're giving them the momentum after that period. It's uh, the other thing I noticed too is the Ducks just whatever for whatever reason, whatever they they picked up in that first period uh, defensively, they lost it all in the second period or most of it. It just super leaky defensively. Um, they, they turnovers and they didn't look good through the neutral zone. The Flames were able to pick off passes. So, I mean, good on the Ducks to get out of that first period, you know, or that second period rather. It was still with a 2 1 lead. They ended up getting outshot 13 to 10, still keeping it close. This isn't the uh, what we're used to seeing from the beginning of the, of the season where it was like 12 to 2 shots on goal. Uh, the Ducks were able to yeah. know, kind of keep it tight, which is nice. Um, oh, I mean, overall, I felt that second period was just scary but fun to watch if you're especially if you're not a like a, if you have no like dog in the fight um you're just watching a hockey game it's pretty fun um going into the third period though ease is able to uh, almost cash in on a three-on-one chance i mean he had all day to pick his spot on smith and just couldn't he's find been getting it. chances too he he had a really good chance last game i think even the game before that he just can't buy a goal though he, no, and, he, and he's been getting set up. I mean, Getzloff has set him up too, and he's just not yeah. been able to find his, uh, you know, his first of the year. I mean, I remember the one with Smith was like swimming in his crease, and I thought it hit the post or he missed completely, but it was actually Smith with both his legs behind the goal line, flinging his arm out and catching it with his yeah. blocker. So Eves with a little bit of uh, you know some unluck, uh, unlucky bounces here for him, but uh, the Flames continue to try to get all kinds of havoc in front. Um, Ducks end up getting a power play, and uh, this is where they haven't looked good. Oh, man, no. At times, they had pressure. I remember against uh, against the Kings, they had pressure, 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 but it was all perimeter. You're not getting anything yeah. down low. Uh, it's a very predictable power play. They work the puck along the boards. 
They overload one side with the hopes that somebody's able to sneak in on the back door and they try that cross crease play. It's super readable, right? I mean, I feel like it's well, very yeah. obvious. They set up in the the first period. They had Lindholm on his like they had him on the offside. You would want in the power play. He wasn't set up for one timers, and they had Montour on on his strong side. I guess you could say normally, but when you're on the power play, you're not set up for one timers like that. So they had Lindholm just kind of winding up and taking bombs from the point, but there's no screen. The defenders are able to set up. The goalie's able to read the play because it it takes Lindholm longer to have to make that play. I don't get why on that second unit, they don't just swap sides. I don't know if that was, wasn't the plan and maybe they got mixed up, but I, I was sitting there looking at the, that power play in the first period. And I was like, why are they doing this? Like, why, why are they shooting themselves in the foot? You know, if you, if you're going to have Lindholm set up to be the shooter, then get him in a position where he can one time the puck. And, and then maybe guys aren't going to be able to get ready. And, and I guess they kind of remedied that on the, on the get soft power play, but it, it's been all perimeter, like you said. That that's what it's been the last few games. They've gotten more possession, so right. maybe some some things are starting to move in the right direction, where they're actually being able to control the puck for at least more than ten seconds on the power play. But the chances they're getting are all from the outside. There, there's no quick passes into the slot. There, nobody's there really to receive a pass. It's it's three guys on the outside, one guy down low, and then one guy in front of the net. And it really hasn't worked in cashing in on a goal or getting any high danger scoring chances no and it's with the sloppy passes they've been giving up shorthanded bids um i think they've already let in four shorthanded goals including the one tonight uh this season so that's what we're going to get to right here just kind of a flub pass um you know montour falls right that didn't help the situation whatsoever and he then, dives. Yeah, oh, it's such a bad play. <laughs> jankowski's able to get in on uh on miller and rip it top shelf um all of a sudden, we have a game. It's 2-2. I don't know what you want to fault Miller on on that. I, I felt like there's not much he could do. He's got he's got to protect the pass, and that puck yeah. was right in the crook of the arm, and that that's a great spot to shoot. I felt it was a, it was just nothing he could have done. Yeah, I, I think the the real blame definitely has to go on Brandon Montour. For one, he loses the puck battle to Jankowski at the line, then he doesn't get back. But I would I don't want to put too much blame on Hampus Lindholm because he he does the right thing in trying to play the pass while also disrupting the shot and he kind of says to Miller like you take the shot and and try and make the save but if you look at the play the guy on the far side I'm not sure which Flames player it is but he just kind of stops skating he takes himself out of the play and then it's really just Jankowski who is the only threat for the for the Flames on the power play or on the, the shorthanded chance here so I mean, I would put most of the blame on Montour. I'd give a little bit of blame maybe to Lindholm for not checking to see if that guy was in, in a dangerous position or not. But it's a perfect shot by Jankowski. It's right to the top corner. I mean, it, it's so far up in the top corner, it bounces right out. So, again, you, you really can't blame Ryan Miller for that. No, and, I mean, let's be let's, – let's just, you know, get down to it. Lindholm they did not have a good game. Lindholm and Larson had a terrible game. I, I felt that uh, – at times, they kind of looked lost out there uh, with some of the passes they were making or the plays they were trying to make. So, absolutely. I mean, no one has perfect seasons or perfect games. I mean, Lindholm comes close, you know, for me, obviously. As you know, I'm a huge fan. But, uh, yeah, that goal, forgettable. 27 seconds later, um, Raquel with all the speed, I mean, just motoring through the neutral zone. 
cuts in on Smith. Um, hell of a play by Raquel to you know to go to the dirty area and try to create something there. And then and then uh, Ryan Getzloff left all alone. I thought he was going to rip the shot away. Ends up coming in with a fake and goes. I thought he would top corner uh, at the first yeah. chance I saw it. It goes under Smith's arm and in the back of the net. And all of a sudden the Ducks regain the lead there three two. I want to know if anybody just thought for a second that maybe he was going to try and pass that across crease to Patrick Eves. <laughs> like there is, there was a part of me that was like, he might do that. Like there, he really might pass and he's been shooting the puck more. So, I mean, it hasn't been as bad lately, but a part of me was just like, Oh no, he's going to pass that to Patrick Eves. Oh, yeah, of course and the he play is, is going to go out the window, but, uh, and, but he still makes it hard for himself. I mean, he doesn't, uh, he doesn't take the shot right away. He decides to hold on to it. And again, it's a really bad play from Mike Smith. I mean, he's just out of position. He doesn't play that right. Getzloff has one play. It's either shoot it or or go to the backhand. When he takes the shot away and decides to go to the backhand, that's the only play. And Mike Smith just falls forward and lets Getzloff bank it off his back and in. So I'll take. I mean, I'll I'll take it no matter what. I mean, all three goals really were on Mike Smith, if if you want to put it that way, because he probably could have done better and at least done a better job of stopping those. But this is the Mike Smith, I guess, we're used to seeing, especially when the Ducks play him. He, he always finds a way to give the Ducks some goals. Luckily, in this game, it was three. Yeah, no, absolutely. Smith is uh, just doing Smith things. He's, he's had a couple of good seasons in his career. I don't want to say that he's always been awful. But, uh, I mean, he's not the guy I want in my net. So thank you for the goals tonight, Mr. Smith. That uh, makes things much easier for us Ducks fans. We can celebrate the victory here. Um, going down to the wire here, it's, I, I mean, the flames are just buzzing. Um, Johnny hockey draws a call. I mean, I thought someone chopped his hand off at center ice there. I mean, my God, I know he's a small guy, <laughs> but yeah. holy hell, dude, like how obvious do you have to, I mean, he was still shaking his hand off like a minute after like grimacing in pain. And I, you watch the replay and it was the stick that rode up and clipped his finger. I don't really feel like uh I, I really i really don't feel like it was uh as bad as he made it out to be no but when you've got other than connor mcdavid the two uh highest guy or the, the guys who draw the most penalties other than mcdavid or kachuk and goodrow and there's a reason that these guys draw so many penalties it's either one they get under your skin or two they're able to kind of embellish without really going over the line in in the case of johnny goodrow and and he he has a whole highlight reel of him doing that, and he's very good at making it look like something was worse than it was. And and any play where you're getting slashed around the hands, the refs are, are really so hot to make that call nowadays that it, more often than not it's going to get called. It's a tough one because that one was a little bit borderline, and of course the one that led to the first goal was an awful call on, on Sam Carrick, I believe it was. So uh, and, and I hate bringing and officiating into it because I don't think – even if, if it leads to a power play that ends up contributing to a goal for the opposing team, I don't think officiating has a, a massive impact on the game that it really will change the course, uh, the, the outcome, like a team will win because of officiating. I think that happens re really rarely in the sport, but it could have turned that way if the Flames were to score on this power play and end up getting two goals in this game on the power play from almost, I guess you could say for both of them, phantom calls. Yeah, I mean... It, it kind of rounds itself out, right? I mean, yeah. at, the, at the end of the season, you kind of look at it. You, you're going to win some and lose some by, you know, bad calls. But 
I mean, honestly, that second period, the Ducks, I mean, could have easily broke themselves without the help of officiating. But I get your point. Um, so the Ducks are able to wrap up the victory here. Three to two is the final score. Uh, you got to get to some post-game notes, my friend. Um, somebody in chat mentioned a little earlier, I think it was Gordon Bombay, he said, he said how awesome is Manson versus Kachuk going to be? And that's if, if Kachuk ever decides to drop the gloves. He doesn't need to. What again? If you want to compare him to uh, to Corey Perry, how many times does earlier in his career, especially when Corey Perry was really getting under guys' skin, did he drop the gloves? I mean, what's again? What's the point? If if you're drawing penalties at a rate that Matthew Kachuk is, you're not dropping the gloves. You're getting guy under guys' skin and you're forcing them to take penalties. That's his role. And if he drops the gloves, he he essentially loses. I I don't. No, if he's a good fighter, I wouldn't assume he is, especially if you're going to take on a guy like Josh Manson. You might That's catch not... somebody, right? You you catch somebody uh, with a with sure. a puncher's chance, and then maybe maybe you yeah, like Max Domi. Oh, with like Max Domi. I don't I don't think Max Domi's a fighter. He's definitely a tough kid, but I I don't I think he caught Kessler on that night, and I think Matthew Kachuk is is a scrapper, and he's a guy who could probably do that. But I I don't think he's ever looking for a fight. Somebody would have to probably piss him off to really get him into fighting anybody i he i i can't see him being that type of player i would love to see a fight between josh manson and matthew kachuk <laughs> as much as i love matthew kachuk i just know it would please the fans so much to just see uh, josh manson beat up on matthew kachuk so but then you know manson's getting out of the box and fighting michael furland right or or, or somebody else on that yeah team. the the new michael furland in in <laughs> calgary would probably garrett hathaway or, or whoever that oh is yeah, now. yeah that's right he's not there yeah. anymore that's a good point yeah, um, but it, they always have somebody like that. I, it was really bad. Remember how bad it was when Michael Fairlin was there too? Because it was him and Kachuk. And they're both similar players, but Fairlin would actually drop the glove. So Kachuk would kind of instigate and then would like, draw the penalty and wouldn't do anything. And then Fairlin would like take him one notch further where he would like sucker punch a guy or he would like fight somebody. Hack somebody, of course. Yeah, there's a question we'll get to later about uh, the Flames rivalry and how it matches up now, especially with the history between these two teams. But when when Fairland was there, I think it it added a whole other level to this rivalry. How do you uh, how do you feel about Jacob Larson playing so far this season? Um, we've been we've been calling for him to be called up, right? I mean, that's something you and I were vocal about last season. Uh, why not give this kid a chance? We've heard so much about him. Um, is he NHL ready? We we talked we talked to uh, Steve Cornianos last or over the summer, and he said, "Yeah, don't lose hope on him. Like he he's still skilled. He's he's still a good player uh, in the Ducks system." But how do you feel overall? His play has been. I don't think it's been great. I think this is probably his best game so far, and again, that's not really saying much because he didn't look amazing. I I still expect more of him, and maybe that's asking too much at this point. But he had you know, I. I I still like Steve said. I still have hope in this guy that maybe he won't turn out to be as as valuable as we thought he was. But you know, a capable bottom pairing guy is what I guess I would hope for now. And you know, the the whole thing he was touted for when he was drafted was being a, a really capable puck moving defenseman, and we really haven't seen that. I think his assist in that game was a little bit of a flash of that. He made some good outlet passes, but defensively he still struggled really bad in the Kings game and in some of the efforts he made the good stick check on on Kovalchuk but there was a a couple times where he was caught behind the play uh one of them led to a goal because he didn't get off the bench quick enough to help out Hampus Lindholm so there's been moments where he's looked good 
and moments where he's looked bad. There, there was a play that uh, we tweeted out. I can't remember what game it was, but where he he picked up the puck at the blue line, made a pinch behind the net, and set up a play in front of the net for for a, a good chance for the Ducks. So he has that ability. For me, he just hasn't shown it uh, on a consistent basis to to say that uh, I've really enjoyed what he's done. Well, they really want him to play with Ampis Lindholm, so we'll see how that yeah, pairing continues apparently. to look at. Uh, the you know as we head down the road here, um, I got a question for you. Has there been any more news on Maxine Comtois? I haven't heard a damn thing about that kid uh, since he got injured. I think he, well, all I heard he was skating, and that was it. I don't think we've had anything else because we didn't have anything before the Kings game, and there was no new news today because they had an optional skate. So there was nothing that came out from that. Uh, I don't know if he skated in the optional skate or not. Um, I believe he's off the IR. I, I'm not 100% sure because there's been guys going on and off that IR so much that I can't remember if he was one of the guys that was taken off of it. Um, I, I would hope that he's probably close. I don't want to say because, again, we haven't had any concrete evidence that he is. But he's definitely closer than Andre Kasha. You can say that, I think, with some certainty that he, he'll he probably be back before Andre Cash is back. And now that Josh Manson is back, it's really those two. And then right. obviously Corey Perry long term. But Nick Ritchie. You, you just have to see, I think, if, if they're really going to be able to – if he's going to come back and make the same type of impact that we saw from him when he was first playing for this team. but Because he had a sky-high shooting percentage too that we really haven't seen him come back and – and regress any bit at all either no that's true it'll, it'll be interesting to see where richie fits in on this lineup too he only had a couple of games before he got hurt um so we'll see where he's able to slot in when he comes back and if they're gonna be able to keep lundestrom or if they're gonna send him back overseas i mean who knows what's gonna go on with this roster when guys are getting healthy again but uh i kind of wanted to see where you were at with that um and then troy terry continuing to tear it up in the ahl proving that he's probably an nhler uh, hasn't had the best showing in the Ducks uniform this season. Um, there's still a ton of hope for this kid. He, he's not a, by no means anywhere near a loss, right? Just no. you got you to give him more NHL time. But I think I think it's good. I, I would I would suspect they keep him down to San Diego a lot longer and let him build his confidence and uh, and it, you know rack up the points down there before they decide to bring him up. Yeah, at this point, there's there really is no reason to to call him up and and give him another chance. He's he's definitely deserved. I think if you if you're looking at who's de- deserving down in San Diego, of coming up and replacing maybe a guy like Ben Street or Sam Carrick or or even Brian Gibbons, who was a healthy scratch tonight. I think Troy Terry is is probably the the top option right there. But I think right now for his development, it's better for him to just play a few more games down in San Diego and just continue playing well. Uh, at this point, why bring him up when he's on a six-game scoring streak and, and he's getting some chemistry down there? I think he last time I checked, he was playing with Sam Carrick and Max Jones. Obviously, Sam Carrick got called up, so I, I think he's probably playing with Sam Steele and Max Jones. So that's a line that I would love to see get some more playing time down in San Diego and, and really build some chemistry. And then eventually, if they're all to come up or a couple of them were to come up, that, that chemistry could translate over to a pairing or, or a line in the, in the Ducks organization. So we'll see. Um, but he, he's definitely done well since getting sent down. I think this is what we wanted to see, right? He's got nine points, three goals in six games. It's, it's a six-game point streak. So since he got sent down, he has not had a game without a point. Started off really hot, 
two goals and an assist and one goal and an assist and the last four games have all just been one assist but he's still getting on the score sheet and i think that's what's important yeah it means he's still around the play right he's he's still down there you know helping create or creating on his own um before we get to the next little bit of news here and then we'll get to some questions that couldn't you guys stop the damn woo everyone at the at the game the <laughs> it's really bothering you lead. Right? it was so frustrating <laughs> watching this game like the ducks are, are like a second away from blowing the lead and getting it having it be tied and there's just woos all over the damn arena i i tweeted it out too like, can you guys just stop just we don't we're not blowing a team out here like i get it when it's blown out and you're kind of like that's like a mocking thing i feel like and that's like might be the only time where i'm like all right all right i get it i get it whatever i don't like it still but uh, with a one goal lead against a team that was, you know, been dominating you for the second half of the game, just and just a team stop. that's so deadly in the third period. Just I mean, stop. obviously not everybody in the arena knows that, but it's uh, it's something I feel like should be reserved for like a three or four goal lead with like five minutes to go. If you really want to do it, if you want to pick a time to do it, where well, one goal lead against a team who probably played better in this game and was showing signs uh, of really turning it on late in the game. That's uh that's an interesting move by the fans to to pull it out. Oh, uh, wow. But I guess it's it's in the same category as in, uh, when you're in LA the other night when after the the Kings were up two nothing they were chanting Gibson. So it's the same oh, yeah. thing. Yeah, it's I the know, same thing, the, right? It, it's, so it is, but I mean, like that's just what they do. They Chris Hurd is that. wooing in the chat on YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> just for you. Let's let's uh, you wanted to have a little bit of a segment when we had time to kind of take a look at, at uh, what's going on around uh, around the, uh, the Pacific Division. So taking a look yeah. at the Ducks competition, because that's something I haven't really been paying a whole lot of attention to. Um, I know the Ducks aren't doing amazing. So it wasn't like I was like, oh, hey, look, we're winning the division because that's not the case. But uh, take us around the division, Eddie. Let us know what's going on, man. What do the Ducks have to look forward to? Well, at this point, not a lot because the division is just crazy this year. Um, if the Flames had a one tonight or got a point, they would have retained first place. But since they lost, the Sharks are actually in first now. So they've fought their way back up. But it's a three-way tie in points. So the Sharks, the Flames, and the Canucks are all tied on 19 points. The Oilers and the Ducks have 17. Arizona has 14. Vegas has 13. And the lowly LA Kings are sitting in the bottom of the division with 11 points. Uh, but it's just been amazing. The the teams, uh, we did our division preview uh, for the 31 and 30 in Puck Guys earlier uh, in the summer. And when we all talked about our Pacific division, it, w- it was kind of hard to decide who was going to go where. But the consensus was that San Jose was going to run away with things and Vegas was probably going to still be poking around. And then the Ducks in L.A. were going to fill around those three or four spots. And then you had Arizona high and I had Calgary being a, a, a good team. But... I don't think anybody predicted the Vancouver Canucks to be in a position right now where they're tied for first in the division, uh, riding the back of an amazing player in Elias Pettersson. The stuff that that kid's done this year has been unbelievable. I mean, you've, we've been watching. We've been throwing highlights oh, yeah. around in, in group chats pretty much since he came back from, from injury. Some of the goals that he's been scoring, he had a five-point game where him and Brock Besser were just unstoppable. Um, just an amazing talent. The thing that worries me about that kid is he's still so skinny and lanky. I mean, he got crushed by Matheson, and it wasn't even that hard of a hit, but he was out with a concussion. And imagine if a guy like Dustin Bufflin gets a hold of him with a just a massive check. He's going to feel every bit of that. Um, so that's what I'm worried about for him. But 
just a, a crazy start. Even in the Oilers, we thought the Oilers were going to be horrible. They're in a wild card spot right now, thanks to Connor McDavid. Well, yeah, pretty much. And Neil, yeah, I'm not Neil Yakupov. What am I talking about? Nugent Hopkins has <laughs> been not uh, Neil. <laughs> yeah, Nugent Hopkins has been good. I, I think he's almost a point per game. So them, they finally found a guy to play with Connor McDavid. It's funny that it's actually a center that they're converting to wing to play with Connor McDavid. Um, they're getting that desperate where they can't really find a winger to play with him. That Nugent Hopkins somehow was the the, the go to guy that ended up working out for them, and. They're getting reliable play from Cam Talbot, not great play. But I think this is what the division is going to look like all year because I think eventually the Sharks are going to run away with it. I think you would agree with that. I think most people would agree with that. There's are in their last 10. I mean, and they're, and yeah, they're in a weak division. Well, yeah, and eventually they're, they're going to run away with it. And and some of the guys that aren't scoring right now, especially Eric Carlson and, and I guess even Evander Kane to some extent, are going to start getting hot and playing well and – you got a guy like Timo Meyer who's got 11 goals in 15 games already. I mean, that was something they didn't expect. So they're going to start turning it on. But the rest after that, the second, third, fourth, that could be any. That could be Calgary. That could be Vancouver at this rate. If Elias Pedersen keeps winning games for this team, that easily could be Edmonton. If whenever you have Connor McDavid, you could say that they're going to be in the mix. I still think the Ducks could be in there. I I don't. I don't think they're that bad when you look at the team they have on paper. I think they could be in the mix with some of those teams. And you can't count out Arizona. They just won five games in a row before that winning streak finally came to an end. And they outscored opponents something ridiculous, like 28-7 to on that five-game winning streak. The only team right now you can count out of it, I feel like, is LA Kings because they just they don't look like anything is going to go right for them. And Jonathan Quick's out for at least a couple months. Except when they play but the everybody Ducks. Else, yeah, except when they play the Ducks somehow. <laughs> they... Uh, they make us look ridiculous, but I think that's the only team you can really count out of it at this point. Guess who is undefeated at home in the Western Conference at looking at the standings right now? The only Western team Conference. undefeated at home. Yep. It's probably Nashville, right? Brucey's team, Minnesota oh, Wild, Jesus. undefeated at home, 5-0-2 in regulation, 5-0-2. So they're 3-4-0 they're on the road? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Typical Bruce Boudreau, right there. I great home record. Brucey. Yeah, yeah. You know I, the the Pacific Division's crazy. Uh, we always thought I thought Vegas was going to be right up in the mix. They're at the bottom. This is early. We're barely, you know, we're not even. Uh, what is it? Uh, I can't even think right now. Not even a quarter of the way into the season. So there's a long way to go. But it's just been been odd. Elias yeah. Pettersson's just insane what that kid's been able to do his his uh his slap shot he had against jimmy howard was insane oh the, did you Dude. see the comparison they did though with like a goal from gretzky oh please they're, they're like because he's like, wispy like gretzky he's a very they're thin like whispers man. they're like whispers of greatness and it's like gretzky walking in and doing like a similar slap shot on a goalie who's standing up and is just making no effort to make the save and then they show Elias Pedersen. Like it's it's a it is similar looking, but I'm sure you could pull eight goals from the last five seasons that look similar to what oh, yeah. Elias Pedersen did. Something special. And they're like uh, whispers of greatness or something. It was ridiculous. Was the comments Canadian were commercial? hilarious. I it was I think it was a Sportsnet outlet, or yeah. it was probably like a Vancouver Canucks uh, Sportsnet guy who tweeted it out. But I mean, I get it. They're all hyped. They haven't had anything to be happy about since the Sedins left, so I get it. But that's that's pushing it a bit. They've far. had nothing like, to be happy on. about since Burray left. Let's be real about this. <laughs> well, they made it to the Stanley Cup Finals, so I mean that was because yeah, it was all because of Ryan Kessler. Come on now. 
Um, yeah. Let's get to some Bobby Ducks Lou. news. Speaking of Sportsnet, uh, it was reported. Uh, who wrote the article? You, you brought it up. It's uh, about about Willie Nylander uh, possibly being a target of the Anaheim Ducks and the Ducks being one of the top five teams that uh, he could land in. I thought that was very interesting because it doesn't seem like a Bobby move. It doesn't. I, I want to figure out who wrote the article, but now I can't find. Uh-oh. Did I just bring up news? Did I bring up fake news? <laughs> no, here it is. Here it is. It was Rory Boylan for Sportsnet, um, and he had the Ducks as, like, one of the five potential trade destinations for William Nylander. Even in the article, he says it's kind of outside because they had the Kings were in there, the Hurricanes were in there. I believe the Wild were in there as well. Uh, teams that have defensemen. It's pretty much teams that have defensemen that they're able to give up because that's what the Leafs would be looking for. And then maybe also teams that could use a goal scorer like William Nylander, a playmaker like William Nylander, which is pretty much any team. So it was just teams that it would maybe work. And uh, he listed some potential targets that the Leafs could look at. This is Brandon Montour, Josh Manson, Josh Mahura, Troy Terry, Max Jones. Makes sense. What we've heard all all year, anytime the Ducks have been linked to, to uh, William Nylander. We brought it up on the last show because Bob made his trip to Toronto and got everybody all hyped up because David Pagnota from the fourth period tweeted out that he was at the game and he wasn't scheduled to be there. So then, of course, all the rumors started that Bob's trying to make a deal for William Nylander. Again, I don't. I bring up the same thing I said yesterday. I don't know why he would be at the Leafs game if he's trying to make a deal for William Nylander. If he's going to watch players there, Nylander's not even playing. I'm sure if he wanted to talk to Kyle Dubas about a trade for William Nylander, he could do that over the phone without having to make the long trip to Toronto. And trust me, I know how long that trip is because I had to do that <laughs> at the beginning of the year. So I, I don't know. It's it's interesting. Of course, we would all love William Nylander to be a part of the Ducks, but uh, they, I think they're just an easy pick at this point. They're a team that's sitting near the bottom of the league in goal scoring. They have an abundance of young defensemen, so it's like it's an easy fit on paper, but it just it wouldn't happen, I don't think. No, I mean, and if it did, the, who did he, he listed? Like, was it Mahura, Manson, Montour, Fowler? Right? It was like it was all of our defensemen. I mean, yeah, the Josh Mahura, Max Jones, and Troy Terry as well. There you go. Okay, so if you had to, if, let's just let's just have fun for a second. Anybody in chat, please chime in too. What would a William Nylander trade look like? It's 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 not going to be straight up. They're going to want to get somebody and somebody else. Uh, I mean, Kyle, Kyle Dubas isn't going to just let you take Willie for you know for Brandon Montour. But what would a trade look like in your eyes if you had to make a legit trade, um, not something you're like, oh, I'll give him, I'll give him a hurrah and uh, and and a pick. Like that's just not going to work. Yeah, no, I, I think the, the closer it gets to the December 1st deadline for Nylander to sign before he can't play for the entire season, I think the the cheaper teams might be able to get him. Uh, but it's it's still going to be a hefty price. You're likely looking at a roster defenseman, and, and when you look at the way the, the Leafs defense core is set up, they'd probably be looking for a right-handed defenseman. So if you're, if you're the Ducks, you're probably looking at Montour Manson. If you're Carolina, you're looking at Pesci or Justin Falk. If you're Minnesota, you're looking at like Matthew Dumba. Uh, the, the list goes on for all the teams that that are involved there. But I, I think it would center around Josh Manson or, or uh, Brandon Montour. I feel like Josh Manson would be the likely piece. I think one. I think he he's a guy. If you had to pick, the Ducks would probably 
go with letting him go. It's a tough decision, but I think Brandon Montour is a guy they would like to keep longer term. And then I think if you're the Leafs, I think he fits more of what you're looking for anyway when you look at the defensemen they already have in that lineup. I, I think it would be like Josh Manson and then one of either Max Jones or Troy Terry or, or maybe one of the prospects who's not in uh, the AHL right now and Antoine Morand or Benoit Olivier Grew that uh, would be involved in that trade and then maybe a pick. I think the price, like I said, is going down by the day. The longer they, they take to get him signed or move him, the harder it is and the less leverage they have to make a trade. So Baybolt says uh, Troy Terry plus Mahura plus a first. Uh, Chris in chat says Manson, a prospect, and a pick. And then Baybolt's against his Terry Manson in a second. Um, I would feel like it's going to be Brandon Montour that they're going to want. They're going to want that uh, offensive-minded two-way guy who's a good skater. Um, and he takes chances. But, I mean, look at the Leafs. That's all. That's what they're all about. I mean, they're playing running gun hockey no matter what. They're just trying to outscore everybody. Um, I, I think it would be like a Montour with a, uh, a prospect and, and a pick. That's, that's, Matthew brings talking. up a good point in our YouTube chat too. He says we do need to move Silverberg, so that could be always a piece that you you throw in there, like a Manson and a Silverberg for William Nylander, and that does, of course, sound like a lot. But you have to remember what you're getting in return. You're getting a young player who has scored sixty plus points in his first two seasons in the league. It's, no matter what the contract situation is right now, the, the closer they get to the deadline, it's still going to cost you a lot. Would I do that? In a heartbeat, I would do that. I would trade Josh Manson and, and Jakob Silverberg for for William Nylander because, yeah, maybe it makes you a little bit worse in the short term because now you have a hole you have to fill on defense. And we've already seen how hard it was for the Ducks to to manage that when Manson was on the lineup for four games with injury. But, I mean, imagine a, a, a team with William Nylander, Ricard Raquel, and, and all the prospects we have right now going forward. You've just added a piece that could presumably replace the production you saw from from Corey Perry for so long on the right side of the of the ice so yeah i would do it i don't think it's going to happen again i don't think the ducks are willing to pay him the type of money he's even looking for anyway um even if you do move off josh manson and in the active silverberg's contracts I, I just i don't see it being an option that they could really get done especially with the history we've seen from bob murray no what he would say is he would like he would trade um Josh Manson or Brandon Montour and get a guy like Kyle Connor or something like that in return and then well, sign Kyle Silverberg. Would be great, but it'd be like Connor Brown. It'd be or like Connor if you're Brown. talking about the Leafs, it'd be something ridiculous. It'd be like Connor Brown and that's what and I meant. Another... Yeah, Connor yeah. Brown and then if for Brandon Montour straight up, right? And then he yeah. would sign Silverberg and say that was our trade deadline acquisition was uh, re-signing Jakob Silverberg. Right now we got him long term. Uh, at a cheaper rate than you could get William Nylander. So that, that's what I feel like is more like a Bob Murray play. Um, I don't see I don't see the Ducks making that kind of move. I'd be I would be just floored if they traded away one of his coveted um, top four defensemen or a prospect that hasn't had a lot of playing time, so you don't even know the value of um, and able to pick up a William Nylander. I think it'd be great, um, depending on the deal, but uh, I, I just can't see him doing it. No, I, I can't see it happening. And uh, honestly, in the long run, I, I think the Leafs probably get him re-signed. Um, but if there is still a, a major gap between them, the likely team I see him going to is, is Carolina because Ooh. they have they're, they're so deep on that right side. I mean, you've, you've got Pesci, Falk, and Dougie Hamilton on the right side of the ice for them. So I, one of them, it's not, it's not an easy move. 
but it, it's a move that you can justify in your lineup and be like, yeah, we can do this. I mean, on the left side, they've got uh, it's Jacob Slavin, it's Calvin DeHaan, and then I'm pretty sure I'm missing somebody who's significant on that team anyway, but they have the depth on defense to be able to move a guy like that. I'm surprised it hasn't gotten done anyway, and I think the only reason it hasn't is because Toronto ultimately wants to get this guy re-signed. But if, if I'm the Leafs, I mean, you know you have to re-sign Marner and Matthews. you got to get rid of him. you got to get rid of him and, and kind of shore up the position uh, of weakness that you have on your team. I don't want to talk about this too much longer because now we're getting like way off topic, but uh, I, I don't see why that hasn't happened. It makes too much sense between Carolina and Toronto for it not to happen. Yeah, no, I could see it too. Uh, like Hurricanes are an exciting team this year. Um, let's hop into some questions, man. We got we got like 15, 20 minutes left in the show. Yeah, I got to go grab them. We've got them on – I know we have it on Instagram. Facebook was popping off today uh, with questions, so let's go over to there. It's always a nightmare trying to get into this after the game. Okay. So Joseph Holmes asked, how does it feel to be the media organization to bring Ricard Gromberg to the North American masses? <laughs> well, we'll see what happens. Uh, like, uh, If you guys listened to the last show, we're, we're uh, about ready to start trading days and times to get him on uh, for an interview here on the show. So that'll be exciting news. I know that he's, he's probably looking for an NHL job. Um, he has played... In United, or he has been a coach in the, in the United States before, right? He he was in uh, minor league hockey as a head coach. Yeah, he so, coached in the NCAA too, I believe, with St. Cloud State. Yep, and that's where he played. So that's uh, yeah, he's definitely definitely knows all about North American hockey. So there's a chance, right? And uh, maybe maybe Eddie will bring him here and get Randy Carlisle fired and replace him with uh, yeah the guy we want to make the king of Swedenheim. The ultimate goal of the higher Gronborg movement. It will be realized once he comes on our show. He'll just realize how great of a place it is to play in Anaheim just from coming on our podcast. Yeah, and I had someone tell me, uh, a friend of mine, like, oh, yeah, you don't like him. I'm like, eh, not that I don't like him. I, I just feel like it would send a signal to the team that's in rebuild mode. We're not bringing a guy with NHL experience to try to, you know, with, all, with like cup experience or whatever, right? Um, and it, it's it's an unknown value. So uh, yeah, it doesn't make sense for an in-season hire. It, it doesn't make sense for an in-season hire. And I, I think that's what the point I'm trying to get across is if, if the Ducks were to fire Carl, let's say tomorrow, uh, I think Dallas Eakins is, like, yep. is the interim coach. 99% chance of that happening. I, I don't really see anybody else that would make sense at that point from a management perspective and just from, from an, an ease of, of transference when you were looking at him coming up. But in the offseason, anything goes. I think then if, if things still don't work out, if Dallas Eagans comes in and you don't like what he's got, then for sure you can look at some other options. So I think that's the point of it. And we have to give some credit again to Joseph Holmes and Jens Lindbergh, who started this higher Gronberg movement. We didn't even really know about him until Jens originally brought him up to us on Twitter. We talked about it, I think, on one show, and then Joseph brought it up to us and started this whole higher Gronberg movement that uh, – I guess has resulted in him possibly coming on the show for an interview. So that'll be interesting. Yeah, seems like he wants to, he's, he's been uh, talking back and forth with us. He's traveling a bunch. So we're going to pick a day and figure that out. He's nine hours ahead of us. So that'll make it interesting. All right. So let's look at the next question here. We had Daniel Lowry on Facebook. He says, where does Calgary rank as far as rivals? I personally placed them ahead of San Jose and behind LA, especially after Giordano's cheap shot on Fowler. 
Um, yeah, I would say that. I would say it's right up there with L.A. Um, the hockey hasn't been nearly as nasty in the regular season uh, across the NHL as a whole. You don't see a lot of nastiness in games so much anymore. Yep. Um, so, but if you're going to talk about a rival, there was definitely the, you know, the Kachuk factor there where it's easily games can start to get out of hand. If he just, you know, starts poking and prodding, but, um, yeah, I would agree with him there. I, I think so. Um, we haven't really seen much from the Sharks ducks rivalry other than the fact that they met in the playoffs last year. And that was, we got feisty at times, but it got feisty because the ducks were just getting completely destroyed by the sharks. So they were just frustrated. But any matchup we've seen lately hasn't been, hasn't really proven to be a, a really prominent rivalry for the Ducks. But when they play the the Flames, there's just I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that they had won so many games in a row at Honda Center against the Flames and it had just become this thing in the media that the Flames always had to hear about. I'm sure they were sick of it. And even to some extent I think the Ducks were probably sick of sick of hearing it as well. Yeah, but, no, hundred percent. But I, I think that contributed somewhat to the rivalry. We've seen some some games, and and he brought up the fact the the Giordano cheap shot on Fowler, and and just some of the instances we've had when you've got when you've got guys like Ryan Kessler, Corey Perry, and and, and Ryan Getzlaff going up against when Michael Fairland was there and Matthew Kachuk, and you're gonna get those games where it's gonna be like that. So I, I think that's what was contributing to the rivalry. And even this game a bit, it got chippy a bit, but uh, we really haven't seen any team go over the top like we're used to this year. I think everybody's just kind of afraid of taking that extra penalty. Except for uh, if you're going away from the Ducks, me and Lucic going psycho. Uh, yeah, last night a, going a bit crazy. That's an idiot. Yeah, he just sat on a guy and started punching him. I thought that was kind of odd. Um, Chris in chat says, did you see Evgeny Malkin sit today on TJ Oshi? I didn't see it, but I heard it wasn't uh... – it wasn't that great. He might get a hearing for it. I, I, I'm going to have to look it up later. Maybe I we can was, bring it up on the next show because I haven't really seen it. Okay, we'll talk more then. I, I, f- I felt like it was in the middle. I mean, from the one replay I saw, I felt it was in the middle for uh, for Malkin there. But uh, what's the next What's the next question we got? Well, Matt just brought up a, an interesting question in, in the YouTube chat. He said, remember when Timu came back to Anaheim after knee surgery? Any chance we see a similar result when Perry returns? No. I I, oh. I I don't oh, know. You you were ready and prepared for that. Question. Yeah, no, I, I don't think so. Um, I, I someone asked me that question before, and yeah. I just there's no, I don't I don't see it happening. Um, a team who got to have knee surgery rehab for a year, um, because during the lockout, I, I don't see Corey Perry having that. Um, he's never had the the same skill set as Tamu, right? In his and 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 Tamu in his prime. I was putting up crazy yeah. numbers. And then even into his 30s, was putting up 90 points. Um, Chris says here, different injury. True. But, uh, I mean, knee surgery. They, they, you see where they're putting together, though. I, I get I get the question. Yeah. I just don't think he's going to be able to do it. Yeah, I, I can't see it happening. I would love for him to come back and just play well play well in general. You know, I'm probably not going to be a point-per-game player, but just put up some goals and, and maybe look a little bit more like the Corey Perry we're used to seeing. As you wear his jersey. Yeah, well, hey, I gotta, I gotta give some <laughs> praise to him. I gotta hype him up a bit because I, do, I do hope he comes back and and plays better than what we were seeing from him. And, and you would think so, right? I mm-hmm. mean, it, it with Ryan Kessler, I think it's a whole other animal. Him coming back from hip surgery is, is a lot harder to come back from and play normal ever again. But I think with Corey Perry, we've seen guys come back from knee surgery in the past and they've looked a lot better because now they can finally, they just have mobility and they're able to skate without any pain and, and the, just being comfortable on the ice, I think will be huge for him. So we'll see. 
uh, we'll see how he's going to do. Um, let's move through some of these questions here because we are almost hitting an hour. Uh, Joseph asked, is Brian Gibbons the most worthless player we've ever had? No, Oof. no. I, the heat. I think you forgot about Jared Bull. We have two uh, more worthless players playing tonight. It's Ben Street and Sam Carrick. Brutal. I wouldn't say any player is worthless. I would just say those players are just not at the level. NHL they should quality. Be. They're, they're right. not NHL quality. Brian Gibbons, I think he's borderline. Chris, he Chris hasn't been Smith, good. Chris Smith made a really good point in chat here. I got to pop in. Um, he said Perry will never be the same. That's why he waited two years to have surgery. ACL and MCL injuries are totally different recovery's. So his wife's a physical therapist know. too. Yeah, he probably knows so, more than I yeah, do. <laughs> she she works at a hospital, so and deals with recoveries like that. So I think he's got a little more insight. But that's uh, I mean it is. I mean that would that would speak a lot because remember when he got injured, they were like, oh, not only did he did he blow his knee out, but now he had this. He had like he tore his meniscus too all at the same time in warm up. And I was like, ah, it sounded like he dinged his knee, and then he's like, f it, let's fix the whole thing. Yeah, uh, I don't know. I it's I don't know enough about injuries. I've been wrong in the past, clearly, about uh, when I've been quoted on different guys' injuries. So I'll, I'll have to believe on this one. I, I just hope he comes back and he, he can at least do something. Um, Paula asked on Twitter, what are you liking in the game that we haven't seen? Or in this game, what are we liking in this game that we haven't seen in games prior? Ricard Raquel. Yeah. Uh, Ricard Raquel I, was phenomenal. Well, just that tonight. line. That line altogether, we're finally looking good. We get slapped with Raquel, was looking good. And when Eves got put on that line, uh, they were looking really good. So, Excellent game for them. Yeah, I hopefully it is a trend that can continue. Um, but I mean, we'll have to see because Kessler's line is back together and Henrik played with Lindstrom and, and Auberg. So Henrik seems to be the odd man out at this point where he's just kind of getting paired with the odds and ends. It would be nice to see Cash and Comtois come back soon and that could be an interesting third line with uh with adam henrique i believe it was come to henrique and silverberg who were originally together but i could see kasha come to and henrique working just as well and i think that would that would help a lot i think that would help a lot with secondary scoring especially if you, you can get that line of getzlaff raquel and eves finally back together and, and scoring yeah they need it right you're, you're able to get that uh that scoring touch there from those guys would be a huge boost uh zach gray who was who was supposed to come on to the show with us tonight but he got oh. invited to the game he got invited <laughs> to the game so it's fine it's fine uh but he said i love how the ducks fans are saying the second period was even just to make themselves feel better calgary owned us in this period you kind of mentioned that a bit yeah it was sloppy it was a very sloppy second period i mean and it was entertaining i mean the run and gun hockey but i still feel like the flames had the better of the chances for sure in the second period i'd agree with them 100 percent yeah i i i I definitely can agree with that. I, I can see a little bit where some people are coming from, I guess, when they were saying it was it was somewhat even because it wasn't like the Ducks – it wasn't the worst second period they've ever had. They had their chances in that period, and they, they held their own defensively to get out of it unscathed. So in that sense, I, I can't blame them for saying it was, it was maybe close to even, but uh, it was definitely a period where the Flames looked like they were taking advantage of, of some of the mistakes from the Ducks. Uh, let's look at. I believe we just have one question left here, on Facebook. Uh, no, on Instagram. So it's it's from his or from Wildwing on uh, on Instagram. From Honda Are our shot? Yeah, maybe. <laughs> are our shot totals getting better due to better D, or are we just getting lucky? Oh, that's that's a tough one. Um, 
Shot totals yeah. four. I mean, I would say the Ducks are. Well, they weren't better in this game. They weren't better in this game, were they? The Flames almost hit forty shots. I think. They they got caved in the third, hundred yeah. percent. It wasn't a good third period. But that I mean, a lot goes into it too. You got to think about uh, the second half of back to back. I think that's a huge thing that uh, people under you know undervalue here. And the other part of it is is like all the score effects that go on. I mean, you're up playing with the lead in the third period and the second half to back to back uh chances are you're going to hang back a bit and you're going to try to play prevent defense you're going to clog the neutral zone so you're going to get outshot you're going to be just defending the entire time i understand why that works that way so but i mean honestly i feel like uh the game started off pretty well and i I would say the biggest change is they're able to complete passes and create on the rush that's something that i haven't seen in a while so i was impressed by that today uh, at times yeah, I, I was impressed a little bit with what they did. Again, they got caved in. And when you look at the final shot total, it doesn't look good. It was 39-24 to 24 for Calgary. So I don't think much has changed in that sense. Um, it wasn't when you – again, it was 39 shots, but it did – I guess it's, it's such a dumb thing to say. I'm, I'm stumbling over my words. But it was it didn't feel like a 39-shot game. No, it didn't. It, it didn't it didn't feel like it from from some of the ones we've seen this year especially where the ducks have gotten heavily outshot didn't feel like that they felt like they were in this game and they were in control defensively they, they forced a lot of shots from the perimeter at times as well and calgary just seemed to be throwing everything at the net and and that's how they've played this season calgary has been a team that has been i believe near the top in shot attempts because they like to throw a lot of pucks on that they're similar to carolina in that instance so I'm not surprised that the Ducks got outshot. I, I'm happy with the fact that it, it didn't feel as bad as it looked on the score sheet. Yeah, I mean, I, I more or less look at the um, – if you're looking at shot totals, I mean, yeah, they got they got caved in 16-3 to in that third period. But the high-danger chances, the ones in tight, that's that's the one that gets concerning. They were they were outchanced with those high-danger chances, 17-9. to So yeah. big disparity there. Um but in the third period, it's definitely because they were holding, trying to hold the lead. So just yeah. different things. To oh, for sure. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I, I, I definitely think it was because they're holding the lead. But that is it for questions. Um, the next game that we're here for is Friday Minnesota against Wild. the Minnesota Wild. Going to visit Bruce Boudreau down in Minnesota. Uh, Jason will be back for that show, I believe. So it'll Yeah, be no, it's a home game, too. So Brucey's coming. Is it? Oh, yeah, Brucey's coming uh, to Honda Center. Oh, I read the. Uh, I'm reading the little pamphlet wrong. I thought they put the, the home games in orange, but they put them in black. Yeah, 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 man. You got to get on top of your schedules, dude. Um, yeah. <laughs> so we're back Jeez. on Friday, 7 p.m. start. None of the 7:30 BS. What's so keeping us up till 11:30 here and 2:30 your time? Um, Nashville Monday, Vegas Wednesday, and then Toronto next Friday. So four more games. Every other day, except for this weekend, we have the weekend off. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Um, just kind of want to mention here that uh, we're looking at, uh, for those of you who have signed up for Patreon in, in the highest tier, those pucks will be on their way here shortly. I talked with uh, Buffalo Bottlecraft. They're putting that together. Uh, the shipping stuff, i got to figure out to get those around worldwide. So that'll be interesting because we, <laughs> we have one going to Europe and one going to Australia. So that's yeah. fun. But uh, we're excited to do that for you guys. Thanks for all the support on Patreon, you guys. We really love it. Um, also looking at watch parties, I think we're going to skip this month um, and possibly Christmas you know, time area. It's just tough to nail in a time where no one's doing anything between Thanksgiving and Christmas. But Jay and I were, were looking at probably early January for the next watch party. So stay tuned for that. 
Um, we also got bonus shows. We're going to start recording too for Patreon. Busy month, but uh, also pay attention on YouTube if you're not on there already. Go ahead and click subscribe. That's a huge help to us. We're trying to gain some traction there on YouTube. Um, if you want to see our ugly faces and chat, plus Eddie shows some pretty pitching highlights. So we get to, you get to check out some of the game highlights as we talk about the show. So uh, go check us out on YouTube there. Click subscribe. Helps us out a lot. And uh, we'll talk Hit the to bell you guys. too. Oh, click the bell. It'll Let's tell you know when we go yeah. live, right? Hit the bell. It'll tell you when we go live, which uh, you may want to, you may not, but it helps us out. Yeah, either way. If you're helping us out, we love you. We appreciate it. And we'll talk to you guys soon. Have a great night.